Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Is Kevin Durant or bust for the Phoenix Suns? But after the Indiana Pacers just offered DeAndre Ayton a four-year, $133 million offer sheet. Feels like the centerpiece to a Kevin Durant trade is all but out the window for the Phoenix Suns. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and streaming live on ESPN. Plus, Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. You can tweet to us, my handle at Courtney R. Cronin's at Amber W. Sports. You can also hit us up on the CC call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, asking you whether you think player movement is a good thing for the NBA. So the DeAndre Ayton news, Amber, a huge deal for the Phoenix Suns in their pursuit for Kevin Durant. According to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, Ayton was given a four-year, $133 million maximum contract offer sheet with the Pacers. Now the Suns have 48 hours to decide whether they are going to match it or not. But basically, What this means for the rest of the NBA, what it means for Kevin Durant, is that now, whether the Suns match the offer or not, it's going to guarantee that both Michael Bridges and Cam Johnson will definitely have to be included uh, in any package that would indeed bring Kevin Durant to Phoenix. And we know this is not as simple as a two team, two teams pulling off a trade. It would likely take three to four teams to be able to bring Kevin Durant to Phoenix, given the amount of assets that the Brooklyn Nets want. And now the Phoenix Suns and their biggest trading chip, their their biggest, their most sizable asset in DeAndre Ayton, a 17 and 10 center, is like five feet out the door on his way to the Indiana Pacers to go play with Tyrese Halliburton and be part of, you know, create one of the best pick and roll, du- pick and roll duos in the NBA. Does it not feel like the Phoenix Suns' short-sightedness in not offering him the rookie max has now come back to bite them because they're trying to upgrade their roster in another way, but they really had to do it by either matching this offer sheet, which now they can't trade him until January 15th at the very earliest, but because they didn't give him that rookie max deal, they now found that, find themselves in a very tricky spot. Yes, I mean, in fairness to the Suns, I'm not sure a year ago they could have predicted that Kevin Durant would be available via trade with four years left on his deal and would name the Phoenix Suns of one and two destinations that he wants to go to. But that's the reality of the situation now for the Phoenix Suns. So although a year ago they didn't offer DeAndre Ayton the rookie extension that he wanted, they didn't find him to be a max player, the market has said otherwise because the Indiana Pacers are willing to say otherwise. He is, in fact, a max player. And so now the Suns are, frankly, up against it. You mentioned they've got 48 hours to match it, Courtney, but if they do match it, they can't trade Aiton unless Kevin Durant doesn't get moved until after January 15th, which is I mean, very seems- well could happen at this rate, considering we've seen no movement. Uh, it could. I, I still think it's highly unlikely, I, I uh, but you never know. I suppose if he was really committed to trying to make his way to Phoenix, uh, I think Mikhail Bridges would have been uh, had to have been included in a trade anyways, frankly. But I think the trade would have looked more like Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Ayton and a Cam Johnson. And maybe a Jay Crowder. Now, there were reports out there that Brooklyn actually wasn't 
particularly interested in acquiring Aiton. But like you said, we're talking about a three-team deal. I mean, our own Bobby Marks had proposed a trade just yesterday that still had Aiton going to the Indiana Pacers, Mm -hmm. but on a sign-in trade instead of this offer sheet and that being utilized in a three-team deal to facilitate getting Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns. That's the the thing that would have happened here. It wouldn't have necessarily meant Aiton was going to the Brooklyn Nets and it was a straight-up type of trade. But now the Suns have no ability to trade him anywhere. They just lost their most important trade asset and they lost him for nothing seemingly unless again they match this offer sheet which seems highly unlikely in the next 48 hours. Yeah so what should they do? The clock is now ticking on the Phoenix Suns. They can either let things pass and and let him go to Indiana signing for a four-year $133 million max maximum contract which this offer sheet is the largest of its kind in NBA history. I think that tells you something just about market value and how other teams tend to see a 17 and 10 center who could very well be a 22 and 13 center by the time that this is all said and done there's obviously a difference in the type of player he could he is now and what he could become but he's 23 years old they clearly see the ceiling and the potential there for a team that's rebuilding but should the Suns just let this thing play out as is, not touch it, or should they match the offer sheet? What could that do for them in keeping their hopes of Kevin Durant, their pursuit of Kevin Durant alive? Here's ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks, who was on NBA Today, explaining Phoenix's options. It would be the largest offer sheet, you know, certainly matched here. I think when you're looking at it from, from Phoenix's perspective, they had all the leverage until DeAndre Ayton signed this offer sheet with with Indiana here, and I think if you're from the Suns' perspective, you either go into the luxury tax for the first time since 2009-10 and you match the number one pick in the draft that you picked four years ago, or you simply let him walk for nothing. Once he agrees to this offer sheet, the sign and trades are off the table. This is a binding contract here, and I think it's going to be interesting for Indiana because they have a little bit of work to do to get to that $30.9 million number. They've got to They've got to clear out some salary, which they certainly can do here. But if I'm on that Phoenix front office, I match, and then I figure out post-January 15th what a trade looks like for DeAndre Ayton. So it would basically be kicking the can down the road a little bit here, Amber, where they would... I don't know if, like, would you eventually, would you lose out on Kevin Durant if you go that route? Because according to Woj, the Suns have not shown an interest in negotiating a sign-in trade with on Aiton with the Pacers. Um, But the expectation right now is that Phoenix is going to match the record $133 million offer sheet once it's signed because then they could trade him. Like, is it almost like they're trying to backtrack and they're in panic mode right now? Does it feel like they might be headed towards that because they don't, want to potentially miss out on a Kevin Durant sweepstakes. Maybe they think this thing is going to drag out further. Like, maybe they have the notion that he's going to end up starting the season with the Brooklyn Nets and that they could get him eventually before the trade deadline. I mean, that all comes down to KD, right? Like, how bad does KD want to be a Phoenix Sun, right? Mm -hmm. And then, do the Brooklyn Nets want to play ball? Do the Brooklyn Nets want KD for half a season in order to then just go ahead and trade him? Don't forget, the power is not all in the hands here of whatever the Phoenix Suns want. And then, yes, they can match 
Ayton, and then I guess they can go ahead and move him after January, but it may not be in return for Kevin Durant. I do think the one component of the story, though, that we're missing, Courtney, and it seems like there is a fractured relationship there between Ayton and the Suns, but let's mm-hmm. not forget, and we talked about it earlier in the show, I mean, Ayton was a centerpiece for a team that was the number one seed, for a team that did have the best regular season record, and so there's also this possibility that they're looking at the situation and they're like, okay, well, we're probably not getting Kevin Durant at this point because our backs are up against it with DeAndre Ayton, but let's not let our number one former overall pick walk away for nothing four years later. That is absolutely unheard of. Let's at least keep him so he continues to contribute to this team and that we can try to capitalize on that number one seed. We were good enough in the regular season. We just keep falling barely short in the postseason. Maybe they feel like they could get it done if they have Aiton, even if they can't facilitate a day or facilitate a trade for Kevin Durant. This was a 64-win team this past season the overall number one seed in the Western Conference. And the fact is, you know, they don't want to keep this player a core part of their team. And I think that that's a divide between not only team and, you know, ownership and the player himself. That's going to be a divide between the team and the fan base because it very well could signify the end of the Suns' run, right, as that we felt like their window to contend was still open. You've got Chris Paul aging right now. He's 37 years old. Devin Booker is a terrific player, and you'd love to pair him with someone like Kevin Durant, but if you take out a core piece of this championship nucleus, like this is a team that went to the NBA Finals two years ago and, again, was the one seed this year, it feels like Phoenix, again, cutting its nose off despite its face here and is actually closing the championship window on itself by the moves that it didn't make before now with DeAndre Ayton to prevent any of this from happening. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, will certainly continue to monitor this situation, what the Phoenix Suns may do going forward, whether they want to match that offer sheet to help themselves down the road. January 15th feels like it is a long, long way away. But who knows how that could potentially affect them with trades down the line. But also how that might look this season with DeAndre Ayton having to go back to the Phoenix Suns uh, for the first couple of months of the season. Doesn't seem like that's a place where he would necessarily want to be knowing fully well how they feel about him and what he brings to the team. Coming up next, your calls on whether player movement is good for the NBA. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We take your calls next. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
Did you miss Canty and Carlin? And all of the speculation about Kevin Durant's future, where he might go, his trade request that came 14 days ago via his agent and business partner, Rich Kleiman, who told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski that he wanted out of Brooklyn. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver decided to weigh in on the Brooklyn Nets star requesting a trade from the team. Spoiler alert, the NBA is not fond of these types of trade requests. This is Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. She's Amber Wilson. I'm Courtney Cronin. And we are presented, as always, by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776, the number to get in. Taking your calls on whether you believe player movement in the form that we've seen it throughout the last decade or so, whether it comes via free agency, whether it comes via trade requests, like the one that Kevin Durant just put in with the Brooklyn Nets, is that good for the NBA and the product itself? Let's go out to Roy in Oklahoma City. Roy, you're on ESPN Radio. Hey, girls. Listen. You see all the chaos Kyrie done started this is all Kyrie's fault because Durant wouldn't want to leave unless Kyrie just pulled what he did. Nobody's got money for Durant, and it's a shame that he's doing this. I mean, really, you went there for a reason. Now you want to back up. I wouldn't pay him. And the other thing is, can y'all do me a favor? Could y'all please tell Miss Doris Burke that I love her and I want to meet her in San Antonio by her lunch? Well, I think you just told her yourself there, Roy. Um, I'm sure she's probably listening in on the airwaves somewhere. Doris Burke, the GOAT, uh, among broadcasters, obviously a Hall of Fame broadcaster in her own right. So shout out to Doris Burke. But, Roy, thanks for the call. Um, like, But, Kevin, here's the thing that bothers me with like the Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant thing. So Kevin Durant said he was going to stay out of Kyrie Irving's business as it had to deal with himself and the Brooklyn Nets, Amber, and this is before he opted into that $36.5 million player option three days before Kevin Durant requested a trade. So if KD was worried about not being able to play with Kyrie, like, you know, that was a that was a concern that was wiped away when he opted into his player option for the 2022-23 season. So I... Well, I don't blame Kevin Durant for seeing the toxicity in this situation and saying, I don't want any part of that. I don't think it really had to do anything at this point with Kyrie Irving choosing to, to opt in, um, in, in with his finances with this team. Like, am I wrong for that? Well, I think that it could, if you're reading between the lines, it could signal a couple things, right? Where maybe it's that Kevin Durant does want out and he's tired of what you mentioned, the toxicity, and he's tired of Kyrie Irving and his antics. And maybe we were assuming that they were BFFs and they weren't actually BFFs because of all the drama that happened this past season. Or maybe they are. And maybe KD was really, really upset that the Nets wouldn't give Kyrie that extension, which was the whole issue. Don't forget, that was the holdout. That's why he didn't opt in until the last second. He played hardball with the Brooklyn Nets. He even threw threatened maybe to go take $6 million and leave 30 on the table to go join up with the Los Angeles Lakers. The Nets called his bluff and he ends up opting in and taking the money, but he's only under contract with them for one more year. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets made it 
it very clear that they are not signing up for a future with Kyrie. And so maybe KD was offended by that. If you're not going to have a future with Kyrie, then you're not going to have a future with me. So that's the other way of thinking of it. So we don't know because it's impossible to tell like what the real relationship is and the real story here because KD has been very mum up to this point in regards to that, Courtney. But it's possible that Kyrie's opt-in actually does have everything to do with this. Well, what we do know right now is that whether this sparked Kevin Durant being on the move or whether he was going to do this anyways, he is potentially going to be on the move this year, requesting that trade on June 30th. So on the, you know, the heels or the eve of a free agency, which started a couple hours after he requested that trade, he wants to go somewhere else. So is this player movement good for the overall product of the NBA and informing teams that are exciting and people wanting to watch. Like I can see this from a number of different angles. And I never want to be somebody who talks out of both sides of my mouth because I do believe that there is something to be said about what Adam Silver wants to talk with the NBA PA about, which is the sanctity of contracts, because I think he's afraid that this If this thing goes through, if the Brooklyn Nets end up trading Kevin Durant away, that there's going to be some sort of domino effect where other players are going to try to, like, follow suit. Like, Kevin Durant is in a class on his own. He's right now a top two, top three NBA player, could very well be in some people's top ten all-time list. So, as you look at that, I don't feel like this is going to start some sort of revolution among NBA players where everybody's just asking out of their contracts if they're not happy. Kevin Durant has built this career for himself, this reputation for himself as one of the most lethal scorers and best players in today's in the era of today's NBA. But him going to team up potentially with a Jimmy Butler, a Kyle Lowry, down in Miami, or if he ends up going to the Phoenix Suns to play with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, because those are the two teams that we know, at least as of right now, where he requested to go to, is that better for the overall product of the NBA and what we're watching on a daily basis? I do agree with you that there's so few players that command this kind of power. I mean, when people call in and they're really upset about the idea of player empowerment, because most people, it's a a mostly new phenomenon, right, Mm -hmm. Courtney? So most people are kind of like, you know, back in my day, get off my lawn. You know, the players used to honor their contracts. And it's like, well, yeah, okay. The majority of players today also do because they don't have a choice. You know, like every other player on the Brooklyn Nets, in fact, is about to honor his contract because ain't none of them got a choice but honoring their contracts because their names are not Kevin Durant. Let's be real about that. You and I said earlier in the show, it's like five guys in the NBA. Now, the problem, I guess, from the owner's perspective is it happens to be the five most important guys in the entire NBA. So you don't really want them forcing their way out with years left on their deal. But LeBron could do it right now. Giannis, maybe, right? Maybe Luca. Like, there's very few guys on that list, though, that really could yield the kind of power where they would force their way out. Kevin Durant has earned that position. It's a very, very, very unique position. I agree with you. There's no chance that it creates a domino effect, though, because most guys just aren't of that caliber. Mm-hmm. The player movement phenomena, if you want to call it that, in the NBA is something that started a long time ago, as in like 12 years ago, with LeBron James when he became a free agent, you know, the the whole thing with the decision and him leaving Cleveland for the Miami Heat, like that's what kicked this whole thing into high gear. We didn't see it happen for a number of different reasons as frequently before then, but 
we're in a different era of the NBA now where players have more control over the product and the league itself. But is that necessarily a good thing for the NBA? We're going to talk about this a little bit later on in the show. But coming up next, switching gears to the NFL, just over a week and a half away from training camps opening up across the league ESPN Radio's two-a-days continues with the Indianapolis Colts' strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. We'll get into those next coming up on Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. You can't miss Canty and Carlin, pound for pound, the biggest show on ESPN radio. Our two-a-days series continues on on Canty and Carlin ESPN radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon, as always, presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So the Colts last year were 9-8 and eight with Carson Wentz on his potentially last leg as a starter, and then he ends up getting traded back out of there when Frank Reich had brought him in. They traded a lot of assets away, Amber, to try this new quarterback experiment after Phillip Rivers retired, and it was a giant, like if you could see me doing my thumbs down signal right now, did not work at all. So what they did this offseason was go out and bring in Matt Ryan, who it was very clear the Atlanta Falcons were going to like rebuild. So now they get a fresh start at the position during a pivotal year for Frank Reich, the head coach. Whether this could be potentially his last year in Indianapolis remains to be seen. We'll get into that in a little bit with an expert. So let's start out with our strengths for the Indianapolis Colts headed into the 2022 season. How do you see it? Yeah, my strength is obvious here, right? Matt Ryan's an upgrade. I mean, he's an upgrade over Brissett and Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz and, and just about every metric, and he's certainly much more accurate. So even at 37 years old, a huge upgrade at quarterback, and then also the fact that they're in a division with the Texans and the Jags. Courtney, I mean, that never hurts. Yes, I, I agree with you. I think that Matt Ryan is in a good spot to lift this team Uh past where they were last year. I mean, remember those last couple games of the season in 2021. They had to beat the Raiders. They had to beat Jacksonville. Remember, they lost to them in Week 18, put themselves out of the playoffs. Carson Wentz uh, having clunkers in both of those games. For me, the strength of this team is Jonathan Taylor, though. I mean, you see him there uh, on the the feed streaming on ESPN+. 
Like, this guy could very well be the best running back in the NFL by the time this season is over. It's an offense that has a heavy dose of play action out of their run game. It will certainly benefit Matt Ryan at this stage of his career and simply, hopefully, to cover up the fact that their offensive line still remains kind of an issue. So, for me, it's Jonathan Taylor. All right, let's move on to weaknesses for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, The weakness for me, and it's not easy to find many weaknesses in terms of units on this team, but I'd say the wide receiver core on this team would be the weakness uh, and we'll see what it looks like now with Matt Ryan at the helm I mean they have Michael Pittman Jr. we'll have to see if Alec Pierce takes a step forward as a rookie if he really can step up to the plate and again it's going to come down to obviously who's throwing them the football but for me the wide receiver position on this team is a question mark yeah like I, I think that that is probably the biggest glaring issue for this Indianapolis Colts team they really haven't had that guy, right? Like the last couple of years, whether it's, you know, T.Y. Hilton's not there anymore, like they don't have a great receiving core. Um, but I think for, for me, it's like, can they protect Matt Ryan? Like, certainly we know that last year, that unit up front was led by Quentin Nelson. He only sat, he sat out four games last year because, I, you know, he had an injury, but. Like, the Colts were 30th in pass-blocking efficiency, so something's not adding up with this offensive line in spite of how good their interior pass protection used to be after, you know, overhauling that unit. Uh, that was the... That was the philosophy under Chris Ballard once he took over as general manager. But still, that one kind of remains a giant question mark going into this season. All right, opportunities for the Indianapolis Colts. So my opportunity was your strength because I figured that maybe Taylor would be your strength, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. an obvious one here. But I made Jonathan Taylor my opportunity because you mentioned that he's considered one of the best backs. I think that he has an opportunity this season to really solidify himself as the best back in the entire NFL. You were talking about a player. I mean, an absurd. All of his stats last season were absurd. But 5.5 yards per carry with 3.8 of those yards coming after contact. Nobody force more total missed tackles as a rusher uh, 66 last season than Jonathan Taylor. I think that he has an opportunity here. He was not number one on the ESPN's top 10 running backs list. He was what third on that list. I think it was second. Okay. Well, he has a chance. I think maybe by next year's list, he'll be number one. So he's got an opportunity here to just go ahead and solidify himself for that position. Courtney. Kenny and Carlin, Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys. So for me, it's the fact that they play in the AFC South. They've got to face Jacksonville twice. They also have to face the Houston Texans twice. They didn't bring a 40-year-old quarterback in not to make a deep postseason run. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's 37. Their opportunity to do so is right now with Matt Ryan And if they don't get it done, that's going to be a huge disappointment. All right, let's round this thing out with the threats for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Well, my threat is that, that uh, you said he was 40. He's not 40. I'm speaking for everybody in their late 30s, okay? Uh, Every month you're not 40 quite yet counts, Courtney Cronin. However... You're right. He's not so far from it. And I would say that that's the threat here is the durability of Matt Ryan. I mean, I'm a huge Matt Ryan fan. I think that this is a good fit. I I like the Colts making this move, even if he is a 37-year-old quarterback. But certainly that's always a threat when you're talking about a quarterback on the very back end. It would presumably, unless he gets on that TB12 diet and doesn't ever eat a strawberry again, but presumably on the back end of his career.
All right. For me, the threat is the fact that Matt Eberflus is now the head coach of the Chicago Bears. They replace him with Gus Bradley, who's taking over defensive coordinator duties in Indianapolis. And this is a team that had 33 takeaways in 2021. That was second only to the Dallas Cowboys. How are they able to keep that up and still be a stingy defense in 2022? I mean, you know, this Colts team has a ton of talent on the back half of their defense. I mean, Darius Leonard is the only player in the NFL right now with 10 sacks, 10 interceptions since 2018. They've got talent up front, too. DeForest Buckner, who they got in a trade a few years ago, is a terrific interior pass rusher. But can this defense re- regain and, I guess, maintain the form that it had in 2021? It was a really good unit at that. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app coming up next. More reaction to the DeAndre Ayton uh, offer sheet news. Four years, $133 million from the uh, Indiana Pacers. We'll go out to Indy and chat with someone who knows what's going on with the Pacers and what this thing could look like going forward. It's coming up next. Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus. Did you miss Candy and Carlin? Carlin and Amber Wilson sitting in for Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. Charles Barkley had a hilarious response to Bradley Beal's $251 million contract with the Washington Wizards. Here's what he had to say about Beal's big deal. Quickly, what was your reaction to the Bradley Beal contract? Wow. Let me tell you something. My mom, I love my mom. She passed away a few years ago. Every time I see one of those contracts, I want to drive to the graveyard and just snatch her up and say, why couldn't you just wait a couple more years to have me? <laughs> just a couple more years. And you know what? Bless these young guys. You know, Bradley's a hell of a player. I don't ever want to be the old get off my lawn guy. I made more money than Bill Russell. He's a much better player than me. I made more money than Kareem. He's a much, much better player than me. Hey, God bless him. It's good work if you can get it. That was Charles Barkley, TNT NBA analyst, appearing on the Washington Football Talk podcast. And during 16 seasons, Charles made a little bit more than $40 million. That's not, you know, that's not a slouch by any stretch, but it's certainly not $251 million that the 29-year-old Beal Amber, Amber is about to make. Well, I think Charles is doing just fine. Uh, and when you add up and include everything he's made, I would imagine off of endorsements and then broadcasting sure. and then continues to make now all throughout his uh, long retired career. I would imagine Charles is sitting pretty. Would you want to be born sooner, Courtney Kerner? Cause people do this. They're always like, Oh, you know, or later, like, Oh, harken back to another time. Or if I had just been born a few years sooner, a few years later, obviously not how science works, Charles, maybe we should inform him of that. Uh, be a different story. Uh, you wouldn't be quite the same person if your mom hadn't had children at the time that she did, but I, I would not choose a different era because Amazon, you know, and I can just get anything shipped to my house. So I mean, there's it was that. Just prime like, that's pretty cool. There's Instacart for groceries. You know, I, I kind of like what's happening right you don't, now. So you would not be somebody who wanted to be born in like the 1700s where life expectancy was like late 30s and exactly. uh, I'd already typhoid. be I'd already be on my way out because yeah. I'm already in my late 30s. Uh, you, it just t- seems much harder back then. You had to like leave and go to the grocery store, you know? I don't, I don't the think whole they different had grocery thing. stores in the 1700s, but uh, <laughs> they also didn't have ESPN radio, which is what we're currently hosting. Kenny and Carlin, Courtney Cronin. Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. I think I'm fine 
being born in 1990, being on the cusp of 32, I will never make $251 million like Bradley Beal. Don't but, sell uh, yourself short. You never know. I mean, you never You've know. You've been killing it at ESPN lately. Sign me up for that max contract. Give me that 251, <laughs> and I will, uh, I will soon be the next Bradley Beal uh, of this company. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Amber Wilson sitting in for the guys on this Thursday afternoon. Let's go out to Indianapolis where Kevin Bowen, host of the Kevin and Query Show on 107.5 The Fan, kind enough to take some time and talk some Indianapolis Colts with us. But Kevin, before we start with some preseason football talk, let's talk about the big news for the Indiana Pacers today, giving DeAndre Ayton that four-year $133 million offer sheet. What's the latest on Ayton to the Pacers? Yeah, always good to chat with you, Courtney. Um, certainly very un-Pacers-like. This is unprecedented, frankly, in, in franchise history for them to uh, make an offer sheet like that, uh, let alone um, at that price range. Um, so now the latest is you know, a little bit of wait and see. You know, Does Phoenix do something here in the, in the 11th hour and, and try and do a sign-and-trade? Uh, you can't imagine Phoenix is really going to let you know, a former number one overall pick walk when they are in such kind of a win-now approach with Chris Paul and his age. And if not, then uh, it's a 48-hour window for them to match that offer sheet, which would send them into the luxury tax. Um, But clearly the Pacers feel like they're in a position to where um, they think there's a possibility. They just waved Dwayne Washington a little bit ago to clear up um, a little bit more cap space. Um, So finding that balance between it is a rebuild, but with Aiton's age, I think they feel like he still aligns with kind of this new timeline here in Indiana. Um, And again, it's certainly something that Herb Simon, their longtime owner, um, his franchise hasn't done very often uh, in his tenure. Yeah, and in fact, this franchise, Kevin, as I understand it, has never had a former number one overall pick as part of it. I mean, how much does that factor in here? Because you mentioned it's a rebuild for the Pacers. So a lot of people are surprised that they would want to pony up $133 million during a rebuild for anybody. You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, some of my buddies and I were texting earlier in the week, and I, I, I've been against this because I just don't think you pay centers in today's NBA 30-some million dollars. I mean, if you look at the best centers in the league right now, you know, they're not leading their teams on deep playoff runs. And then, you know, one of my buddies countered and said, when's the last time someone as good as DeAndre Ayton has wanted to come to Indiana? And that's kind of how a lot of Pacers fans operate. I mean, if you look at the best free agent signing in Pacers franchise history, David West would probably be the name that comes to mind for a lot of Pacers fans. And when he came here, he was on the older you know, side of things, whereas DeAndre Ayton at the age of 24 is still in his prime. So I think that's where a lot of Pacers fans come after this is, yes, paying a center that amount of money is, is again, kind of going against the grain. It's a little bit like paying a running back major money in the NFL, it's kind of a luxury thing. I mean, look at the starting centers of the two finalist teams. I think combined, Robert Williams and Kevin Looney were making like 7 or $8 million. Um, So that's where I think one side of it is. And the other side is the Pacers have the money. It's not like a lot of free agents knock down their door and say, hey, want to play here in Indiana? Aiton has expressed clearly some interest to want to play alongside Tyrese Halliburton. So if not spend the money here, where are you going to spend it? Um, so it, it's kind of two sides of the equation. For a lot of Pacers fans. 
We're talking with Kevin Bowen, host of Kevin and Query on 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. Speaking of running backs, the Indianapolis Colts have a very good one in Jonathan Taylor. Huge part of this offense last season for a team that missed the postseason. 9-8 and finish in 2021. So going into this season, how much of a hot seat, or I guess what's the temperature of the seat that Frank Reich, the head coach of the Colts, is currently on? Yeah, it's a great question, Courtney. I, I would say, in my opinion, um, I, I've made a car seat analogy, which I know it doesn't apply to maybe everybody across the United States. But for those that do have the seat warmer and do use it, um, I, I would say if you kind of crank it maybe to level one or two, I think that's fair. Now, in the eyes of Jim Irsay, I, I don't know if Frank Reich's on any hot seat. Um, before last training camp, or I think maybe during last training camp, Jim Irsay extended Chris Bauer and Frank Reich I think through 2025, big extensions for two guys that, you know, have had decent starts to their, you know, respective eras. Ballard got to Indianapolis as general manager one year before Reich became the head coach. But it's not like they are, you know, getting on deep playoff runs or winning the division, one of the easiest divisions in football. But for Reich in year five, Ballard going into year six, I think the time is now. Uh, We know Houston and Jacksonville are deep into rebuilds. Tennessee made, I think, it kind of against – the win-now moves we've maybe seen them make in the past. They didn't really do that with trading away A.J. Brown this offseason. So in Vegas, and I think if you ask a lot of people, Indiana, or excuse me, Indianapolis, I'm thinking Pacers there, Indianapolis is the definite favorite in the AFC South, and now it's time to take advantage of that. I mean, you aren't in the gauntlet that's the AFC West or even the AFC North or East. You've got to take advantage of what the AFC South is offering you. Cash in on Matt Ryan. Um, you know, and experience, have guys like Darius Leonard, Jonathan Taylor, as you mentioned, Michael Pittman, Quentin Nelson. These guys experience what playoff football mm-hmm. is like. Um, so something drastic would have to happen, I think, for Reich to really, really be on the hot seat. But in my eyes, I think a little public accountability uh, wouldn't be the worst thing for that franchise. You mentioned Matt Ryan, even at 37 years old, a clear upgrade over your last few quarterbacks, particularly in terms of accuracy. Do you think Frank Reich is going to kind of re-embrace a passing attack more, an aerial attack more on the offense this season? Yeah, I think the biggest issue last year for the Colts was they didn't feel like they had a quarterback who could take advantage of what Jonathan Taylor was creating. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor was the best running back in the NFL. I mean, shattered you know everyone else in terms of the league rankings where he was at number one versus I think it was Nick Chubb at number two, like 500 yards um, lower than Jonathan Taylor's 1,800 yard output. But Carson Wentz just didn't take advantage of you know favorable boxes or one-on-one matchups or those sorts of things in the passing game, and they feel like Matt Ryan, particularly pre-snap, his ability to kind of process things a little bit quicker, know where in the progressions things need to go. They really feel like. Um, that his experience, um, just kind of his professionalism, for lack of a better term, is something that will help this passing offense, um, you know, take advantage, again, of, of all the attention Taylor brings. When you got a stud like Jonathan Taylor, you're still going to force-feed him the ball, as you should. Um, but when you look at this wideout group, you look at this tight end group, it's a very, very under-the-radar, unproven group, frankly. Uh, Michael Pittman and then just a bunch of guys, to be honest with you. Um, so I think they need to rely on Matt Ryan's, again, the veteran experience, a little bit more of that kind of calmness and I've uh, been there, done that. And, you know, just think about how those two quarterbacks exited their respective teams. Carson Wentz's exit of Philadelphia, you know, turbulent. I mean, you know, people talking about him as a leader, this and that. Philly fans were very pleased to get rid of him. The Falcons, 
you know, a little bit more of a cordial thing. It's not like he really got forced out, but Deshaun Watson interest, I think, just kind of, you know, pushed him out the door a little bit or maybe caused him to realize the writing was kind of on the wall at the age of 37. So, again, the Colts feel like they have a quarterback now in place who can just take advantage of those things better. The Indianapolis Colts open up the 2022 season at Houston, and then they're back on the road, another AFC South opponent in Week 2 at Jacksonville as they try to bounce back from missing the playoffs in 2021. He is Kevin Bowen, host of the Kevin and Query show on 107.5, the fan in Indianapolis, joining Courtney Cronin and Amber Wilson here on Canty and Carlin. Kevin, thanks so much for the time. Yeah, it's been a fun listen, girls. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Coming up next, how does DeAndre Ayton agreeing to an offer sheet with the Pacers impact Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell? We discuss next. Candy and Carlin. Chris Canty and Chris Carlin are Canty and Carlin. Don't miss them weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.